Hi, this is Fam Electric Ghost. Hey, how's it going? So your um, stage name is Melanie Marine. Melanie Marini. Oh, Melanie Marini. Okay, sorry, I got it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've been looking at your um, Spotify, and I'm going to give everybody your um, bio, but I give a little brief um, intro. I'm Fam Electric Ghost. I interview indie artists from around the world. We've been interviewing folks, uh, indie artists from all around uh, the globe for about two years. And um, tonight we're interviewing Melanie Marinet. And um, you're a Pittsburgh turned Nashville artist. Yes, really? I am. And your newest DP, which was, um, had a uh, radio single, Lifeboat. Is that the, yeah. is that the latest, latest album? Is that the right one? Because I'm going from your. Uh, yeah, your yeah. I, uh, the EP is called Up in Lights. Um, I put that out last May. And then um, we had the single Lifeboat from that. And um, I actually just released a single in November called Flame. Oh, Flame is your latest. latest so we'll, we'll actually put all these links on the podcast. So everybody, awesome. everybody will be able to hear it. And um, the podcast will go out to Spotify and Apple and all these other platforms, which is kind of cool. We're on 12 different platforms. So, <laughs> so the podcast That's will get great. published everywhere. Uh, I love it. So Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, I think you actually liked one of my songs. And my strategy is when somebody's on Instagram and they and they see one of my my postings, if they're a musician, I, I ask them if they want to be on the show. <laughs> oh, I love it. So I've been, that's my approach, and it's actually been pretty successful. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you first get into music? At what age? Um, well, my family is always, they're not musically inclined, but um, we always listen to music all the time. Um, my dad was really big into 80s rock bands, and um, my mom listened to country music. And so I believe I was in third grade. Um, and I convinced them to bring me with them to a Shania Twain concert. Um, that's oh, cool. when I really started getting into that. And I just thought she had a really cool job. And I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So when did you feel um, that when you were working on music that you would, wouldn't want to be like a cover like artist that you actually want to write your own material? When did you decide that that would... Because some people get into music and they never get outside of being like, you know, a cover band. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what made you feel that like you had something to say that was different than what you heard? I guess I kind of started, quote unquote, writing right off the bat. Um, I I don't know if it was like a conscious decision. It was just more like, OK, you know, I, I want to be like Shania mm -hmm. Twain. So I need my own songs, you know, and um, it kind of evolved as I got older and I had more life experiences and I was able to sort of draw from those to fuel my writing. Um, but yeah. So, so what did you just use your voice or did you learn, did you play, write songs on guitar or piano? So at first I would just use my voice and um, I had a little tape recorder and I would do melodies into there. And um, then in seventh grade, I, I started playing guitar and um, taking lessons at school. And uh, really just after that, I pretty much, only wrote on guitar um but yeah it's pretty much been the same ever since then i find that when i talk to a lot of musicians they they tend to you know start early it's kind of like the beethoven idea or what happened when the beatles came out when the beatles came out they generated all these people who were their fans they, they became bands you know because they saw them on ed sullivan they kind of created that whole movement 
that created that, you know, power pop psychedelia yeah. that, you know, people saw that as like Shania Twain was kind of like your Beatle reference influence, you know, in terms of like having a reference point and say, yeah, I can do that. And then getting into it, you know, as a lot of people have, have done that when I've talked to musicians, they seem to start young. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's music just speaks to you or it doesn't, you know, and um, yeah. for those of us who, are immersed in it now I feel like it's one of those things that came into our lives really early and just really had an impact yeah so I asked you about like when you started so you started young like a lot of artists do um so what you know, Shania Twain you name checked her as an influence do you have other um artists that you're you're influenced by or you, people can kind of pick up that you're you're using those reference points in your music or yeah. you're inspired by I guess, um, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly listening to mu new music, but growing up, um, I listened to like a lot of the bands that my dad would listen to. So we listened to Fleetwood Mac and Def Leppard and Van Halen. And then um, I would also listen to artists like Miranda Lambert or uh, Phil Vassar, um, loved his songwriting and uh, just really, I guess, as I got into high school, you know, Taylor Swift became prominent. Um, and so kind of developed more of an ear for people coming out of Nashville because that was sort of my end goal at, at this point in my life. And um, I'm even now looking for new songwriters every day and um, just even writers around town and artists around town that um, have impressions on me. And Nashville is a really cool scene because it's not just country. There's alternative and jazz and blues and all types of genres in that town. Right? There's something for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just become like a music mecca, like Athens was back, like when REM had created, like started kind of putting Athens on the map, and then it became like an alternative indie college radio haven for a lot of bands. Um, so it was like Nashville was like that kind of, you know, it's kind of like going to LA. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's got that good music vibe. It's any day of the night, or I'm sorry, any day of the week you yeah. can find, you know. Yeah, man, you got Jack White's place going on, Third Man, you got all this really cool stuff going on. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, it's just interesting. Um, the, 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 the country was what you got pulled into. So, at, like, my, my mom was from Morgantown, West Virginia. So, my type of country music that I used to listen to was like Johnny Cash. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Waylon Jennings, you know, really kind of hardcore, kind of like, you know, Johnny Cash talking about, you know, you know, the jail situation, <laughs> you know, they kind of dark country, like old school, you know, really raggedy, rickety, sounds like a train, you know, having that kind of, oh, yeah. you know, Americana, you know, I, I really am I'm drawn to that. But I see today there's kind of like Shania Twain kind of brought this kind of, you know, maybe rock influenced country or more modern type of country. If I hear slide guitars in some of your music, which kind of brings me into the old school, but then you've got a lot of mo modern elements that are somewhat like Shania Twain stuff. So are you kind of riding the different genres or trying to go more pr progressive country or I, how would you describe that? I guess maybe naturally it, it leans more progressive. I, uh, I guess when I'm making music, I'm not even, and I sh probably should, but I'm not even really considering genre. Um, I, I mm -hmm. kind of record the song how I feel like, it needs to be recorded and I think every song's a story and it says a certain thing and um, you know I work with my producers and engineers to get it to where we feel like it's telling the story the best it can and 
sometimes it ends up a little bit more pop sometimes it ends up a little bit more country or uh, more rock and um I think it's it's just a blend um like I grew up in Pittsburgh so right right by Morgantown but um yeah there's there wasn't a whole lot of country up there and and so I think my sound is sort of a combination of all my influences growing up yeah so you got that am radio rock radio kind of influence so you've got some of that Fleetwood Mac but you got the songwriting thing about country music they always tell stories you know kind of like you know even when if you get into the modern version of it it's still you know it's the whole tradition of the kind of Americana of telling a story oh yeah like the heart the heartbreak story of or, you know, your, your relationship stories, but they're all stories. And that's what I love and about I, that is, especially because yeah. I'm such a lyric person anyway. And, you know, songs that really speak to me are the ones that, you know, really emotionally get to you with the words. And um, I think that's sort of what drew me towards country music. Mm-hmm. But I see that you have, you know, like I'm an electronic musician. I'm a progressive electronic. And, and so I see that you, you did actually like some of my stuff. So I see that you're actually looking at other genres oh, outside of your I song. listened to pretty much everything under the sun. Um, <laughs> when I was in high school, uh, a lot of my group were in heavy metal bands. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I've listened to hip hop. I listened to pop radio. I listened to pretty much anything that I can get my hands on. Um, if if it speaks you, yeah. to you, then, you know, it's good music and there's some people who are very genre specific. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and that's fine. Um, but for me, it's just all about making music that you enjoy listening to that other people enjoy listening to regardless of what genre it falls under. Yeah. Cause I think like in, in what I do in this job, I, mean, I, I interview people, multiple genres. I interviewed some punk rock bands this week. I interviewed you know, some guys who are more electronic, you know, like a pure EDM, electronic musician no vocals at all just totally you know electronic music and i've interviewed punk bands from london um so i i kind of grew up with a punk aesthetic i mean i like the placements and you know who's who's do and sex pistols you know a lot of the, the hardcore class you know stuff like that but that always liked the songwriting and some of the great like punk bands they still had songwriting you know uh like you know tradition that was still kind of rock and roll oh, yeah. they, you know, yeah, the Clash. Even though they're a punk band, they write as good as the Who. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, in terms of their their the content of their lyrics. And so some some punk bands are actually it's not just thrashing; they're they're actually saying something like replacements. Paul Westerberg, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of really cool music, multiple genres. So I, I've always liked to mix genres when I work with people and collaborate and talk to folks. So. You're the first country artist. We've always we've wanted to get a country artist on the show, but that's cool that you're actually here. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, because we don't want to just let people think we're just talking about DJs. Because on my keyboards, people are just going to talk to DJs or EDMs. Like, no, I, I talk to any type of genre that I'm into. I, mean, I listen to Coltrane. I listen to, you know, Who's Could Do. I listen to, you know, you know the 1975. So I'm, I'm all over the map. I mean, I mean that's it makes it cool if yeah. you have that you know, variation. And I think everybody needs that, you know, a little. I think it helps your writing. Like if you, if you, if you listen to hip hop, you listen to jazz, you know, or you listen to rock, you can take elements like a punk aesthetic and apply it to hip hop. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can take a pure rock 
you know, of an Aerosmith, and then you have like what happened with Run DMC or the mixture of like Walk This Way, you know, taking that, that risk to mix cross genre. I think a lot of people are doing it. You know, there's a lot of bands that are crossing into hip hop and DJ and EDM, electronica and traditional rock, and it's, it's cool. You know, and it's it's cool to see in Nashville. There's there's such a wide variation of uh, genres all over the town, and that's that's also very. I mean, some place that, that the ghost has always wanted to play. So I mean, we play New York, we play Boston, because we're in the Northeast. Come yeah, back. That area, that'd be awesome. <laughs> there was a an EDM festival in Nashville a couple of years ago that I went to. Actually, is is pretty interesting to you get the the whole yeah. crowd. That's different from the downtown Broadway yeah. crowd. I guess I'm more and more like electronic synth wave because like, I actually write songs, kind of like churches. Okay, awesome. Because um, um, sometimes electronic music is thought of as all of their just DJs and they're just creating like these like endless loops and stuff. But there are electronic bands that actually want to say something, kind of like going back to the Depeche Mode or, or back to the New Wave mode movement. There's the electronica and synth wave are bands that kind of bring back the 80s kind of synth stuff you used to see on MTV. Yeah. Uh, that's that the cure and things like that. The more bands are going that way or going like David Bowie, Berlin mode, you know, taking that kind of take on um, music, but actually not just making instrumental music, but actually songs. Yeah. And I see that actually in um, like East Nashville, especially. There's a lot of clubs over there that. Doing yeah, that. they're they're less country and more. I mean, they've got everything, you know. During the modern, yeah, there's all so many different genres today. It's like because the, the one of the questions I like to ask people um, is the, the 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 because of the nature of the music industry today. Everybody, there's a lot of indie artists. There's a lot of artists that aren't on labels. There's a lot of artists that are on the streaming services. Um, so, what what are your opinions about like the streaming services and record labels or being indie? like what are your where are your thoughts on that yeah um i mean the benefits obviously of being independent if you can do it successfully are that you get to pay out yourself and that's it um yeah the i think the challenge of spotify and, and having streaming services is just the fact that a it's so accessible that now you know you're not just competing with cds on shelves you're competing with anybody with a computer um yeah. And then on the same token, um, the payouts for it, you know, we're we're coming up with a generation that has never had to pay for music. And, um, you know, we're now yeah. a subscription based society. And so um, I think the legalese and the, the way that people are paid out hasn't caught up yet to culture. And I think until there's some sort of, um, and I know they've they've been putting a few, like Music Modernization Act just went through Congress, and um, there's a few steps being taken in the right direction as far as paying out the artists and the songwriters, um, you know, more like they would have been paid back in the days when people bought albums and records. Yeah, um, I think a big, yeah, there's a big problem, like in some cases where you're, if you get to be a SoundCloud artist, or you're, you're like on a YouTube artist or you're on these streaming services and you don't really get paid and yeah. you could have 80,000 plays and not get any money. Oh yeah. Um, it's worth like $8 yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'm a SoundCloud artist. I've been on SoundCloud for a while. I got like 81,000 plays, but I have not seen one penny from that. Yeah, crazy. Uh, but it got, it got me here and I actually do get supported on my podcast. So sometimes you have to be, 
a little innovative. I actually have sponsors on this podcast and I get paid that way. Yeah. And so it's different ways of, of figuring out how do you actually maneuver this market. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, someone said to me the other day, because I was having this conversation too, and they were saying it's almost made it to the point where it's not like a, a record sales. Like you spend a lot of money on this record that's literally just a promotional tool like a music video would be or something like yeah. that in order to get people to buy tickets or to buy merchandise. Yeah. Merch. Um, yeah, merch, yeah, merch, your t-shirts and your, like your physical, what I see today, what, what the new trend seems to be, is like if you put something on vinyl and you show up like in New York City and you play a show, you can sell all that vinyl yeah. at that show. You'll sell it all. People want to have it that way. They'll physically buy a vinyl version of your record. Yeah. They might not buy the CD, but they, they might not buy the download, but if you physically play a show, and you have that with you, or you have your T-shirt, you'll make your money, more money selling T-shirts and posters and vinyl than you would selling a download or a CD. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's it's become, it's now, quote-unquote, vintage enough for its back-end style. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it seems to be. Have you noticed that, that, that people want your material on vinyl if people ask you? You know, I've never actually put my material on vinyl, and I'm still, I mean... I'm still at the beginning stages with this this new music and um, haven't quite figured out how I want to distribute it. Um, we had a, a couple shows at festivals this summer, but um, I think once I put together a tour, I'm going to be looking more at what my merch is going to be and you know what I'm offering there. Um, but I think it's very interesting because that's definitely a trend now. And even you see some of the bigger artists and the labels putting out that you know well the, yeah the, the the thing about vinyl is like for the artist you make a lot more money on vinyl yes because the fans are willing to pay 25 30 40 dollars for vinyl oh. um it, it's just amazing what they're willing to pay <laughs> yeah and i i mean i'm i know record companies and artists alike are capitalizing on that just because right now the money has to come from somewhere and it's trending now more towards uh you know merchandise but the cool thing about it is like back in the day, I'm like showing my age, I'm a 50 year old artist, but um, back when I listened to music, it was on vinyl. And part of the appeal of vinyl was that you get a lyric sheet, you'd have this big art that you could see. And that when you listen to a record, like rumors, you listen to the whole thing, okay. you know? And if you're an artist that, that writes music that kind of goes together in an album format, the the one format that continues to have your fans listen to your whole project is vinyl. Like if you do a full record that has a theme and you put it on vinyl, your fans will actually listen to the whole thing through rather than just picking and choosing singles. Oh, yeah. You and know. it's a lot more just technically difficult even to change songs with the record than it would be to. Yeah. So you tend to like a, a listener, once they put it on, they listen to the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if you're an artist that has a concept, you know, if you're a progressive band or you're writing songs and they kind of flow together and you have an idea for a project and you kind of want people to listen to the whole thing in an era where, you know, everybody's got their their phone and they're just jumping from track to track on these playlists. Yeah. The, the vinyl kind of gives an artist that wants to continue to do that a, a way to continue to write like that. Um, and that's kind of cool, I think. No, that's awesome. Yeah, I know a lot of friends of mine who 
prefer that just to even any of these subscription sites. Well, I think if it gets you close to the music, you feel like you're more into the artist when you actually have a physical item. I mean, I, I maybe I'm kind of showing my age, but when I, when I used to pick up, I picked up Purple Rain as a vinyl. You know, I actually went and got the vinyl. <laughs> and, you know, when I listened to it that way, I mean, I, I just, you know, I, I heard it before it got popular and I was like, wow. And just, I had to listen to the whole thing. And I think that just the act of doing that, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, listen to Sgt. Pepper's on vinyl, Rumors or any of the great albums, that, you know, Pink Floyd albums. It was just this experience. You would have your friends and you all sit and listen in front of the record player. Yeah. And then you would talk about it. And then you would like analyze it. And you, it, music wasn't just something that you jogged to. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? Or you'd fall asleep to. <laughs> and I mean, I come a little bit after that genre, but as far as, you know, like I, I know I had a collection of CDs that I wore out and I went through the lyric books and like part yeah. of it was having that physical thing. You know, you go to the store the day of the release and you go buy it. And, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. When the download, I mean, you have immediacy, but then you lose some of the connection to the artist yeah. that, that used to get through the packaging. You know, that I think that, that a lot of people want that and why you see the vinyl coming back. But, um, so have you thought of um, collaborating with like jazz or other other genres in your music going forward? Yeah, um, I try to sort of branch out as much as I can. Um, I mean, it's great having a hub like Nashville because it's so eclectic and um, there's a lot of artists who walk the line between different genres. And um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of the players on the album and um, even just moving forward, people that I meet, um, they all have their own specific backgrounds. Uh, I know we had like one of the best acoustic guitarists. Um, he's like world renowned, like picker, it's like bluegrass and he's just great, but he is able to bring this, um, element to almost a pop track and it just makes it into something different. And I think I'm always just looking for new sounds and new ways Mm -hmm. to, to peak listener interest and, um yeah I, i'm definitely um a collaboration person for sure so when you do you perform live in in nashville to different um venues i do uh yes so i do a couple um full band shows in nashville although most of my full band stuff is out of town just because nashville is such a rider's town and so um i'll play a lot of riders rounds i play probably about two a week um Basically, for people outside Nashville, there's three riders that are up there, three or four riders, and you kind of just go down the line, talk about your songs, play your songs, and um, kind of play on each other's songs. It's it's pretty cool, um, but you cool. get sort of a different feel, you know, um, if you're at a riders round versus a a full band show where you've got so that three. kind of like unplugged kind of session, or you're playing just like acoustic yeah. guitar, or you... yeah, that's cool. So it's like an unplugged kind of. Like for those who used to watch that show, you know. You... Exactly. And it's nice yeah. because you can kind of test out songs and, you know, get people's reactions before you apply it to a full band kind of stage setting. Yeah. And now you can have somebody come in with a mandolin or a banjo and kind of give it a real, you know, Americana kind of feel if you wanted. Yeah, you know? definitely. There's a lot of cool stuff you could do with that. Because I'm a big fan of like the, the band, you know, Robbie Robertson and all those guys. Yeah. 
And what they used to bring was like the ability to play all those classic instruments, you know, classic acoustic instruments like mandolins and accordions and just uh, this pure musicianship. And, and then that kind of Americana thing is like, I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> Shows my age, I guess. But does that mean people talk about the band anymore? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that. I have a, but, um, a friend that's like their favorite band. Yeah, they're just so deep. I mean, in terms of the capability of this, I, I can't, you know, I just go crazy listening to their music. But um, so so, do you have um any shows you're doing for the holiday that you want to promote? Um, so I'm taking a little break for the holiday. I think my first show back in January is I want to say the tenth. That Thursday is. Let me see. Yeah, so I'm playing the tenth um in Midtown in Nashville. And um, pretty much before then, um, I'm back home briefly for the holiday. And then before New Year's, I'm going to go back in the studio. Um, we cut uh, we cut a session last week and then uh, trying to, you know, finish up vocals and, and do some mixing on it before we get too far into the new year. Um, so going to try and make that last sort of while everybody's still on break and hopefully come back guns blazing. So is Flame from a project, or is that just a separate single? So Flame is a separate single, although it might make it onto my next project. Um, Flame is funny because I wasn't even intending on releasing it. Um, mm-hmm. I just, and I write constantly, and we kind of demo songs constantly because I pitch them as well. And um, I that was one that I wrote and that I really wanted to demo. And so I took it to my friend, um, Christian Santangelo, and um, I was, you know, told him what I wanted the feel to be like. And uh, we went in and cut vocals on it and it came back and I was like, this is, you know, as an artist, you like have something in your head, but it doesn't always manifest the way you think it is. But um, in this case, Flame sounded exactly the way it sounded in my head. And I was like. I don't even want to change it at all you know (laughs) like I I don't want to put this out and so I think we like tweaked levels a little bit and sent it to mastering and that was that we (laughs) it wasn't even intentionally but after I got it back I was like I need to I need to share this so so do you record in a full recording studio like a traditional recording studio type of setup I do about half and half um I do like the full band feel sometimes because you get the the vibe of the musicians together, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the stuff that I do is out of home studios and um, just friends' places that mm-hmm. have good recording equipment. And honestly, I mean, a lot of the time that's almost just as good. And I don't want to, you know, some yeah. things obviously are going to sound better in a in a full fledged recording studio, but. Um, a lot of what we do is just creation from home at like 4am on a Tuesday. And um, I mean, some of that stuff is just as cool as, as having a giant studio behind you. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of home. I got a home studio and a lot of electronic artists. We all could, we're dealing with like synthesizers and yeah. drum machines and those things. If you just have good recording equipment and you, you know, you use, the digital audio workstations, but I mean, I, I'm, I kind of prefer analog sound boards yeah. because I'm u- yeah. using like Moogs and Hammonds 
and profit, like real synthesizers, not plugins. Okay, I'm yeah. Kind of a proponent of actually playing analog synths. That's awesome. Which, I, which is kind of coming back. And so with that, you know, analog recording equipment is coming back. And so I tend to use a lot of analog, but then I convert it to digital. But I try not to lose the power that came from these analog instruments because um, that's part of what, what's going on. There's, a, there's like a new revolution of realizing some of these synthesizers that came from the 60s and 70s or 80s had a sound quality that you don't want to get compressed yes. in, a, in, in a MacBook that you want that full sound to actually hit the tape. And um, there's a new type of things going on within that genre is people are trying to capture, you know, the analog nature of these instruments, which is, you know, similar to what people, when they want to capture an acoustic guitar, you know, yeah, it's the same kind of concept with us. It's like, we want to capture these old instruments, these old modes and profits. Could we, you know, remember, you know, the, back in the day when David Bowie was doing, like fame or you're listening to the flock of seagulls or Duran Duran. I mean, there were, those are analog sets. Those are not digital sets. And there's a difference in the way that sounds compared to what you hear today. And some of that's actually coming back. Yeah. And I mean, as technology evolves, you know, they find ways to maximize that sound. And, you know, I think yeah. it's really cool because you get this combination of old and new sounds. Yeah, that's a, it's everything today. Like everything from the '70s is coming back. The '80s is coming back. We're in an age where people go back and they go forward. You know, so you have forward-leaning people, and you have people pulling things from the old days. You know, bands like you know Soul Band trying to bring back Motown and Stax. Oh yeah. And people, people trying to recreate Johnny Cash. You know, people just go and pick whatever point in history they like, whether it's forward or backward, and you kind of just jumbling it all together. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's becoming, like you said, trending again. Um, even, uh, have you heard the Outfield by the Night Game? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's got that Top Gun feel, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of people just reaching back to different times. Because, you know, there's like nostalgia. I think sometimes there are moments that you remember certain songs, and they bring up memories yeah. and they bring up nostalgia and then people want to bring that back or they want to bring that feeling back and so they try to bring that sound back because it evokes i mean disco is real famous for that it kind of brings a feeling like you know of what what it was like to be at studio 54 yeah. <laughs> you know back when it was happening and then people want to bring that back you know so it, there's always this kind of you know retro thing going on along with the forward leaning stuff which I think it's cool. It's just like, you know, people are just wherever they're going to be. You don't have to be pinned down. That's why I think this age is really good that you don't have to be pinned down. Yeah, we've got capabilities for both. I think that's really cool. So is there anything you want to talk to your fans about that you've uh, always wanted somebody to ask you? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, I mean, I'm very much a people person, so I love talking to people online if if that's your thing. And uh, you follow my socials and strike up a conversation. Um, I guess as far as the new year goes, um, I'm hoping to put out some new music and I'm actually in the middle of a crowdfunding campaign right now. Um, it goes until December 24th. Um, so we got like three days left and uh, basically just trying to raise money for the new year and for um, both recording the music and marketing it. Um, 
So that's sort of the next game plan. Um, and then I've also got a music video for Flame that's coming out on January, I want to say 7th. Yes. Uh, January 7th. So going to release that through the Country Network and on YouTube. So that's definitely something that we can look forward to. That's awesome. So we can, um, if you have any, um, you know, links that you can want to add to this podcast, you can send them to me through through our connection where we have um i'm gonna put like all your links from spotify up on this podcast so thank you i can always attach links and i can attach um things so if you you have anything that you particularly want to push let me know and i can add that as a link and what's cool is if if you forget we can continually update your podcast and so if you don't remember something or you want to add something we can actually add a link into this podcast in the future and it'll, it'll migrate through all of the different platforms. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, it's really fun to be doing this because I, I get to talk to artists from all over the world. And, you know, as a musician myself, it's, it's really interesting to talk, to see where other musicians are coming from. And so I really appreciate your time and uh, I hope you have a great new year. Yeah, you thank you so much for having me. No problem. We'll put this out. I'll send you the links as soon as they're available. It's going to come out tonight, so you're going to get it in the next hour or two. Perfect. That sounds great. I'll uh, I'll keep on the lookout for it, and I'll blast it out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, have a good night. You too. This is Man Like a Ghost, and we're pushing our brand new record, Dark Ghost Volume 1, which is going to be on diggers factory records and so if you go to https forward slash forward slash www.diggersfactory.com forward slash vinyl forward slash 226598 you can get our brand new album on pre-order comes out in april we have 196 copies out of 200 left it's 24 dollars plus shipping and handling it's a two vinyl album it is our statement on electronica, experimental music, and progressive trance. It is um, mastered for vinyl, and it's it's our first vinyl record. It's part of the Dark Ghost series of records. So again, it's www.diggersfactory, that's D-I-G-G-E-R-S, factory, all one word, dot com, forward slash vinyl, forward slash 226598. And we'd appreciate your order and um, we'll be very happy um, that you you you're checking out our music and uh, and we'll be very supportive of uh, of you as an as a fan because we'll give you some cool goodies if you sign up. So please check it out. It's www.diggersfactory.com forward slash vinyl forward slash two two six five nine eight.